If you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to Genesis chapter 2. Um, if you don't have your Bible, we're going to be looking, the verse we're going to be looking at primarily is in chapter, is in your bulletin, on the inside, the inside back cover of your bulletin. There's also a place there to take notes. I want to give you a little bit of an introduction before we read the scripture for today. Um, as we said before, um, we're in this series called a Gospel-Centered Work. Um, and in our first study last week, we gave just an overview, and I want to just remind you, oh, before we start, actually, hold on, <laughs> I knew I was going to forget this. Um, as part of this series, we have like reached out to certain folks in our church and asked them, how do they think about their faith and their work? How do they think about the way the gospel is impacting their work? And so we've got a testimony that we want to share with you. We just asked four questions. You're going to see the questions that we asked uh, and the answers. This is Jennifer Jossa Wallace sharing how she brings her faith and her work together. So I work for a company that develops products for spine surgery. I'm in marketing, and my role is to serve uh, the international portion of the organization. It's funny, before I became a Christian, um, all I wanted to do in college was find a vocation that allowed me to help people. And, and now that I have been able to do that, I'm a part of um, a mission to help people feel better and help people walk again and um, essentially renew them. I mean, if you think about it, some people, they're in such pain and such suffering. They become addicted to narcotics because they're trying to avoid surgery and all those things. And we hopefully provide the solutions for them to be able to be free of all that pain and suffering and addiction. And so... Um, I have the privilege of playing a small part in that effort, and um, I think that just says so much. You know, it, there's, there's so much meaning behind it, you know, knowing the gospel and, gosh, transformation, renewal, freedom, you know, all those things are just, just so embedded in, in, in what we're doing, and it, it makes me proud to kind of be a part of that. Yeah, I think it goes in, in many different layers. I think, you know, being rooted, having, um, being a Christian and, and being rooted in the gospel, you know, hope helps my peers. Um, you know, we're currently going through a very rough phase with layoffs and all those things. And I've, I'm, it's an opportunity to do a lot of prayer and to be open about it because um, people are more open to receiving um, prayer and even if they don't believe and and obviously my vocation itself um, being able to be in operating rooms around the world to help surgeons understand how to do our procedures better so that the patients can walk the next day is um, is an unbelievable uh, unbelievable blessing and um, within this city we, we have a tremendous impact since we are located here. And um, yeah, I just have a, I play a very small part in it, but I just feel very blessed to be a part of that. So. Such a privilege and something I don't take lightly. And because that is what Jesus is to us and that's what God is to us. And you know, Jesus is, was the ultimate 
provider. He's the provider of our, of our he's our savior. And, um, you know, so when I think of the ultimate provider, I think of him and I'm somewhat being told that I get to be somebody that can provide as well. And, um, and so I just think it's a huge privilege and a responsibility and I hope that I am doing right by, by the Lord. Okay, yeah, y'all can clap if you want. That's good. Um, my hope and my prayer is that every one of you will realize that God is in your work, that God has been there the whole time. You just haven't seen him there. And, uh, and these testimonies are just um, examples of our own folks, uh, the people in our church who are trying to understand and make these connections between the gospel and their workplace. And so um, we saw last week in our overview that there are really six levels to integrating uh, our faith and our work. There are six levels to why we were made to work, okay? And so we saw that God made you to work so that you can be a provider, an artist, a missionary, a community servant, an image of God, and a renewer. And this list goes in ascending order, right, from simplest to more and more involved. And, and when I say simple, I don't mean easy, <laughs> right? This isn't always easy, but each, each level sort of builds on the ones that come before it. And as we walk through these six levels over the course of the next six weeks, we're going to develop a real strong wisdom about work. We're going to gain a perspective that will touch all of our work life. We're going to see the beauty in our work, even in the midst of the pain and the frustration uh, that our work life inevitably uh, experiences. And so, again, just to focus on this first level of why we were made, it's, it's really the easiest to understand. And I made it personal. So if you want to take notes there in your bulletin, um, you can fill in this blank. Level one says, I work because God wants me to be a provider. Okay? God wants me to be a provider. This idea is clear. It's accepted. There isn't a, huge lot, a whole lot of argument uh, about this. Um, we need to work so that we can earn money, so that we can provide for our needs. Right? Most people don't. Uh, it's interesting because even though everybody agrees with this, a lot of people don't have a lot of respect for this kind of understanding uh, of why work is important. Um, and it's probably because it's so obvious. You know, but there be like people, do we really need a whole sermon on this level? Like, don't we just need to say, hey, God's called you to provide now, level two, right? Let's just move on. Do we really need to spend a whole week on something that we already understand? Um, and I would say the answer is yes, we do. Uh, and here's why. It's because there is more to God's perspective on this than meets the eye. Okay, being a provider is something that if you don't think being a provider is glorious, then you haven't understood it yet. Okay, um, and so we're going to look at that. God's perspective is inspiring. God's perspective actually makes us feel more alive, and it brings out of us. It, it like sets us free from perspectives that we have that can be burdensome or even depressing. And so the other reason we need a whole week on this is because it's just not easy. Okay, it's not, it's not enough just to simply say, look, here's God's perspective, now go live it out. It's important for us to realize that our work life is broken. It's broken, right? It's broken by us, but it's also broken by others 
that we work with or that we work for. And so God's design for work on the one hand and the brokenness of the world on the other, it's holding these things together as we think about work, right? That's, that's the key, okay? And holding these things together at the same time is what we call working through the layers, okay? Working through the layers. So you've got God's creative design, right? The way work was supposed to be. And then you've got the brokenness of sin, and then you've got the gospel, right? That God doesn't leave us in the brokenness of sin, but he's acted in Jesus with good news, right? To, to save us and to redeem us um, and to renew us. These are the, the layers that we need to think about when we think about our work, okay? We've seen this. The gospel has four layers, right? It's creation, fall, redemption, and renewal. Renewal, and I'll tell you why we have a different word for it today when we get to that place. Um, when we see being a provider through these four layers, that's when something gets, like, that, that's when things begin to change, okay? It's when we see ourselves as a provider through these four layers of the gospel, then what results is a deeply wise and richly textured approach to work that can be excited, frustrated, and hopeful often at the same time, Okay? That's the perspective that we need to have. And so let's walk through these layers, okay? And so first, creation. Creation. And, and with creation, we see that God wants you to provide with him, okay? So if you've taken notes, you can write that in. Creation is God wants you to provide with him. And so here I want us to look now at this short passage at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 2 as God was instituting work. Okay, Genesis 2, 15 and 16, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Okay, so God put the man in the garden to work it and to keep it. Okay, this is the creative design of God for work. It's working and keeping. This is the pattern. Right? And think about this. So God created this world of beauty and wonder. He created a world that was teeming with life. Okay? That was full of life. And everything that was alive, God designed it so that it could produce even more life. Right? So this world that's teeming with multiplying life. And then he planted this special garden, and he put people in it. And when you hear Garden of Eden, I don't know if you think about you know, like the urban garden that's just a block away from here, or if you think about rows of tilled soil, like what you need to think about when the Bible talks about garden, um, it's, you think about a park, like a garden park. So this is a place where you would go to relax, but also to work, okay? So it's sort of the garden and the park ideas that come together in the biblical idea of the garden, and that's what the Garden of Eden was. And so Genesis 2 said that God put people into the garden to work it and to keep it. Okay, so to keep it means to protect it, to keep it from harm. But to work the garden, this word work actually means, it means to cause it to flourish. Okay, God wanted Adam and Eve to cause the garden to then teem with life so that the trees that God planted would continue to grow and to be fruitful and to provide for generations to come. Okay, and this is the work from the beginning, 
right? God provides a world that is beautiful and teems with multiplying life. And then he calls us. He creates us. And then he says, he puts us into that world to work that world and to keep that world so that through our work, the world would continue to provide and team with multiplying life. Okay, so our work takes what God has made. So God provides the world, and then our work takes what God has provided, and our work enables the world to continue to provide. And so what this means is that we then, in work, we work together with God to provide through our work. Are you with me? And this then adds new meaning to Genesis chapter 1, right? When we see Genesis 1.28, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Yes, this speaks to procreation. This speaks to Adam and Eve having lots and lots of babies who have lots and lots of babies, and filling the earth that way. But it also speaks of causing the earth to be fruitful, to provide food and sustenance. And then the the last two verbs, subdue and have dominion. This means bring order. This means organize. This means order from chaos. So God is saying, be the leaders who make sure that the earth produces what it's supposed to, and make sure that the earth continues to produce fruitfulness. And so God calls us as people who are made in his image not to remain babies who need to be spoon-fed for their entire lives, right? But God made us so that we would grow and mature and be able to feed ourselves and even provide for others, right? And in this way, we work with God, right? God calls us up to this level of maturity, Right? And, and we've all experienced this, right? And we see it played out in every single generation, right? Babies grow up with their parents feeding them, caring for them, providing for them. They cannot provide on their own. But then they grow up understanding that God has called adults to then become providers. Okay, so there's a place in Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 3, it says, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. And then verse 4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Okay, so a slack hand causes poverty, uh, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And so what we're seeing here is that God doesn't allow the righteous to go hungry, by calling them to work with diligence, okay? And it's our work. It's our work that God uses to provide for our needs, okay? And we experience this, right? Work provides the money that we need for food. And hard work characterizes the righteous. And God blesses their diligence with sustenance and even with wealth. And so the idea here is that God is the provider of our needs, but he provides through hard work, okay? And so even the New Testament corrects people who are not willing to work or provide when they should. You know, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his own household, he has denied the faith. 
And so God's design is that our work is to provide for our needs. And not just for our needs, but 1 Timothy 5 says that it's also for the needs of our family. Um, and then when we look and see the rest of the Bible's teaching on tithing, right, we see that God wants us not just to provide for ourselves and for our families, but God also wants us to provide for our church. Okay, and so providing, tithing is actually a way that you act as a provider. Um, and so our work is designed by God to provide. And, and really, if you take the whole Bible, we've seen this before in the past, these are the four ways that God wants you to provide. So when you spend your money in these four ways, you are acting as a provider. Right? God says you're supposed to provide for your needs and your family. You're supposed to provide a tithe, 10% to the church. Um, then you're supposed to provide care for others. And then you provide grace by celebrating God's abundance. And so when you spend money on the things that you need to live, you're being a provider. And that's what God calls you and has created you to do. Um, when you tithe to the church, you are providing for the church so that it can flourish and grow and team with life. Um, when you care for others and you spend money on other people's needs, you're acting as a provider for them. Um, and then this last one is amazing. It's, it's, it's a little bit outside of the realm of what we think about when we think about providers, but the Bible says that God has provided this amazingly glorious and abundant world, right, with all the beauty and the color and the different kinds of life and the art, and there, God has created so much in this world that we don't need, right? He's created so much in this world that we don't need, and there are places in the Bible where it says when we spend our money on things that we don't need, we are celebrating the fact that God's grace in our lives is abundant. And so on my credit cards, I actually have written down, um, I've got these four words written down. My wallet's not in my pocket. Um, my credit cards say provide, care, tithe, and celebrate. And every time I swipe the card and I remember, oh, yeah, this is one of, oh, this is celebrating, right? I'm paying four bucks for a cup of coffee. This is celebrating. Um, <laughs> um, or, um, or I'm caring for someone else. I'm, um, you know, or I'm, I'm providing the, the, the grocery, you know, this is groceries for my family, right? In all of these ways, we act as providers. Um, and in all these ways, God is honored. And so what's cool here is that these aren't just rules, Right? It's not just this rule that God says you have to provide, but this is life. This is life. This is experiencing God in the way that you use the money that you spend. And so what this means, what this means is that your work, right, the work that you do to earn money, this is one of the ways that God shows you that you are his child made in his image. When you work to provide, you are getting to act out the image of God. No matter how pleasurable or miserable your work is, your paycheck makes you a provider. And in that role, you imitate your heavenly father. Have you ever thought about that? Like, So you could hate your job. You could absolutely hate your job. And you could just think about, like, sometimes that's what we do. We say, all right, this is a God-glorifying end to a very frustrating means, right? The means is a job I might hate, um, and yet I can use this to accomplish this amazingly glorious thing where I can imitate God who provides for me by providing for others. 
I think when frustration and brokenness abound in the workplace, remembering, remembering this, this aspect of why you are there, it's an act of faith that can bring you back into the presence of God. You can go to God and say, God, this sucks. Like, I hate this work. It's really frustrating. I feel underappreciated. And God, I, I just feel like Jesus looks at us and kind of breathes a sigh and goes, yeah, tell me about it. I know what it's like to work really hard and to be underappreciated. I know what it's like to work in a broken world with broken people. And so I think that, um, so in this way, we, we image God, but also God's call to you to be a provider, it's deeply honoring. Okay, it's deeply honoring for God to call you as a provider. What this means is that God expresses great faith and trust in you to delegate the responsibility of providing to you. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, for God to call you to provide, this means, this means that God thinks enough of you to call you to provide for your needs, for the needs of others. Right? This is honoring. Um, Psalm 8, Chad mentioned earlier, Right? That God has made us just a little lower than the angels, and he's crowned us with glory and honor. He has called us to be able to function in a way that can provide for our needs. Um, and I want you to be able to receive that. Think about it. That, that God would call you to provide means something about you. God is saying something about you, about what he thinks you're capable of. Um, at the standabout last night, there was a storyteller and she was telling stories from her life. And one of the stories that she told, it was she had this kind of amazing turnaround in her life. And it was spurred on because she did something. And she said her sister told her that she was proud of her. And the storyteller is saying, no one up to that point in my life had ever told me that I had done anything that made them proud. And it was her sister telling her, hey, I'm proud of you for what you've done. That had this huge impact on her heart and on her life and set her off on a very different trajectory. Brothers and sisters, God is calling you to be providers. God wants your work to provide for your needs, the needs of those who are dependent on you, to be providers for the church, and to care for others. That's how much God thinks of you. That's good news. That's amazing, and it takes faith for us to receive that. It takes faith for us to remember that in the workplace. I think, too, this also reminds us that um, some of us work specifically to earn money so that the family can, so we can provide for the family, um, but others stay at home and work from home. Please don't for a minute think that you don't provide in ways that are just as significant as the one who wins the bread and brings it home. Um, in Proverbs 31, when it talks about the, the gloriously exalted woman of wisdom, it, it says this, um, an excellent wife who can find um, the heart of her husband trusts in her, he'll have no lack of gain. And it says, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maiden. 
And so even at home, think about um, if you're a mom, think about if you're a stay-at-home parent, think about what you provide. You might not provide money, but you provide security, you provide a sense of home, right? You provide a sense of welcome, um, you provide a sense of support and stability that you can't do if you're not there. And so I think God wants us, he calls us to be providers, ultimately because he wants us to know him better. God wants us to connect with this idea that we provide, because providing is some of the things, is one of the things that he does. And he wants us to be able to connect with him. This is a chance for us to know God who provides. And so this is God's creative intention. Okay, this is what God created work to be. God created us to provide, and he wants you to provide with him. Okay, but the second layer, right, this is creation. Uh, The second thing is the fall. This is the second layer of reality that we live in, and the fall reminds us that providing is difficult, right? Because of the fall, and you have to know that it's because of the fall into sin that this effort to provide is difficult. Um, Because of sin, work has been cursed with both frustration and futility. And so this is why for so, for so many people, work feels like the curse, right? It's not. Work isn't the curse, but work has been cursed. Um, and it's, it's um, in the same way as with the Garden of Eden. It's when we ignore God's perspective that we fall into the trap that sin lays for us. Um, when you think about ways that providing gets sort of broken, we can think about this, is oftentimes we want more than we have. Okay? So you think about this, like the money that you make, you want more money. You want more money than you have. And so here's an expression of fallenness. So, that, so at work, you steal. Right? This is one of the ways that the fall affects our providing. We're not content with what we have. We want more, and so we sometimes steal. Sometimes we steal time from our company. Sometimes we steal money from our company. Sometimes we steal, we cut corners, we lie on, um, in reports um, to make ourselves look good, to be able to get more money than we didn't earn. Um, as we steal, then we add to the sin of stealing with a justification of ourselves. Well, yeah, but the company has done this to me and so I deserve this, right? These are ways that we experience the fallenness. And it's not just, I mean, so there are things that we add to the fallenness that cause us to not be the providers God wants us to be. Um, Sometimes our selfishness, sometimes our laziness, sometimes we go and we really don't work at all, right? Instead of working hard, we cut corners, we slack off, we don't do the work we're called to do. Um, And in this way, um, we end up bringing the fall into our work. Like we experience the fall and we struggle. And I think, too, the fallenness isn't just inside of us, but it's also outside of us. Okay, we work for companies, and we work under bosses sometimes who use us, who abuse us, right? Who want, uh, there are companies that want us so dependent on them that we become trapped in our jobs. So I was talking with 
one friend who spent time as a consultant for a big company, a big consulting firm, and at one point she was told, look, you need to buy a house. Why do I want to buy a house? You need to buy a house so that you are under so much debt that it will force you to work more hours. Because <laughs> you're not cutting it here. And you don't have an internal motivation. And the, the internal motivation that we think would cause you to work is to get in debt. And so you need to buy a house. Um, but, I mean, there's culture. Like, sometimes that's explicitly stated, but more often it's the people around you, right? They have more than you do. And so instead of providing for yourself through the money that you make, a life that fits at the level of the money that you make, um, instead you try to provide for yourself a life that is one or two jobs above you. Right? And this is where so many of us end up finding ourselves. This is part of the fall. Right? God's creative design is that we would take the money that we earn and we would provide for ourselves and for our families and for others. And yet we end up spending more money than we have. Um, and so it's interesting because we do get trapped. We do get trapped. And so, um, and so in this way, um, sometimes people experience the fall because they don't provide with the way they should. Other times people experience fall in this because they do provide, but they don't really make this connection with God as provider. You know, even Christians deal with this. Like, you might, you might have a relationship with God, but you've never really thought about how to connect with him. Your relationship with him has never deepened or grown because you realize that together you are providers. Um, and so what we see here, I think, is that it's not just rule-breaking that's an expression of our sin. Like, um, sinning in the area of providing by not providing or by spending more than we have or by being lazy or selfish or lying at work. I mean, these aren't just rules that God says you shouldn't break. Um, but God has outlined this way of living and providing because these, this is the way that we experience life. Um, this is the way that we experience life. And so God doesn't want you to be lazy. God doesn't want you to be bitter. God doesn't want you to be angry um, because of the frustration of providing. God wants you to determine a way and a lifestyle that will fit with the money that you're making because that's, a, that's the lifestyle that leads to your best life. You know, we think we just need more money, and God says, no, 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 no. You need to learn to live with what you have. You need to make decisions that are wise so that you can live and thrive and flourish um, with what he provides you through your current work uh, before you start spending more and more money. And so um, in this, we, in the fall, we not only experience sort of the frustration of life and the frustration of work, um, we experience the guilt of breaking God's rules um, and missing out on the life that God wants us to live, a life of contentment. Um, but then there's also this sort of enslaving power that comes along with building habits of laziness, building habits of, um, of spending more than we have. And so uh, this level of fall causes us to cry out and say, man, how can we get out of this? How can we get out of this mess? And the answer is the third layer, which is the layer of redemption. The layer of redemption. This is where the gospel comes in. And we see that Jesus saves us both from guilt and power. 
Okay, he saves us both from the guilt of our sin and the power that our sin ends up um, ensnaring us with. Jesus came because God has an incredibly, like an incredible passion for us. God wants us not to wallow in frustration. God doesn't want us to feel like we need to have more in order to be happy. But God has this incredible passion and this incredible love for us and for the world that he came to redeem us. He came to set us free from all of this. So Jesus came to earth as a provider. Right? He came to provide not food for us, although he did that um, when he fed the 5,000 other places, but Jesus came to provide eternal life. Okay, Jesus came to provide a way of living for us that would set us free from the things that the fall destroys in us. Now, in order for Jesus to provide eternal life, he had to come and forfeit his own provision entirely. And so this is sort of the, the cross and, and, the, and the, the upside down nature of the gospel. Um, that when Jesus, in order for Jesus to provide eternal life, he actually had to experience the death that our sins deserve. And so there's this passage in 2 Corinthians 8 where it says that Jesus emptied himself. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, it says that Jesus was rich. He was rich, and yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. I mean, this is the gospel, right? That God sees our world, he sees its brokenness, he sees the fallenness, he sees that we struggle to provide, and sometimes it's our fault, sometimes it's the fault of other people around us moving in and, and the way that they use and abuse us. But God so loved the world that he came. He came in Jesus, and he came with abundance. He came to share life. He came to give, right? All of his miracles were acts of his superabundant grace to give life and to provide for people and their needs. And so he came to provide, and he, de- he did this, but in order for him to provide eternal life, not just to feed us, but to satisfy our souls forever, he had to take on our sin. He had to take on our own guilt, and he died on the cross to set us free. He died on the cross so that, um, and, and, and as he was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so everything that had been provided to him as the son of God, he went without. And so he was willing to let go of his entire provision and die for us so that he could then, through his death, make us eternally rich. That's redemption. That's redemption. And so, if your work impoverishes you and you can't change it, then know that Jesus understands. If you don't make enough money to provide for your needs, then know that Jesus gets it. I mean, Jesus himself had everything and he gave it all up so that he could do the work that he was called to do. He knows what it's like to have to give up everything good that he had and he did it to save us. When you embrace this, when you understand this and come face to face that this is Jesus, it'll change everything that you think about God.
this to me is what makes God so compelling. It peels back some of the light, like some of the veil that sort of covers Jesus and sort of the caricature that we get in our culture today. And this is how glorious Jesus is. And so providing through work is glory. If you make money and you spend it to provide for your family, to provide for the church, to care about others, that is glory. There is nothing insignificant about that. Providing for your needs and the needs of your family is being like God. This means, like, this means that there is no job that's too, meaning, that's too menial. Right? Menial doesn't mean meaningless. Because Jesus can set us free. And we realize that when we're suffering the most, that's when we are bearing our cross in the workplace. And at that place, Jesus meets us. And he sets us free. And he sets us free so that we can experience renewal. Renewal tells us, this is the fourth layer, it tells us that gospel work is powerful. Gospel work is powerful. And, and I changed this word, like this was creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Um, and I realized this week that we need to change this word to renewal because it's the vision of our church. Right? Harbor City Church exists because what we see in the future is a renewed city through a renewed people to the glory of God. And the gospel does restore us, but it's better for us to think about this. Like, our vision isn't just like some words that you'd put on the wall of the church office upstairs. Like, we're serious. We want to see San Diego renewed, and this is what the gospel does. And so we're going to think about the gospel chapters, these layers of the gospel. Um, this last layer is a renewal because this is what happens. And if you want to know, well, how can I participate in making and bringing about a renewed San Diego? Well, it's by being renewed through the gospel. It's by letting the gospel work in you and renew you so that when you go into the workplace, you go as a renewed person where the gospel has renewed you so that you can live out, you can show the renewing work of Jesus in your life. And so what does this mean? Well, gospel work is powerful. And so as we work in the gospel, as we go to work with the gospel, we know that there's a day coming when all frustration and pain will end. We know that. The day is coming, right? We sang about that earlier. Um, when we are able to respond to the evil at work with a spirit of love, we show that the renewal of Jesus is more powerful than the fall. When you can care about people who don't care about you, you fill your workplace with the renewing power of Jesus. When we can see this hope that Jesus understands what it's like to suffer the fall, when, Jesus, when we see that Jesus sets us free, it makes us a blessing because even when we're frustrated, we don't despair. Right? Even when we're not satisfied at work, we're content because our satisfaction ultimately comes from knowing God. Right? There are people that are in your workplace and they are living for their work. And if things don't work out for them at work, then they are undone. You don't have to live that way. 
Because the gospel says that Jesus has already accepted you. He has already guaranteed you eternal life. That confidence, that confidence makes you different. It makes you respond to things differently. And so in this way, Jesus changes our minds. He renews us. And so renewal, it starts with us embracing God's view of being a provider. It helps us to realize that there is this godly end that justifies the frustrating means of our work. And so we work, we provide, and in that, God smiles. God smiles. When we struggle at work, God understands because he knows what it's like to be frustrated with the work that he has to do. And when we realize how frustrating we can be to God, it keeps us and causes, it checks us as we deal with people who are frustrating to us. And I think that when we do things with God, we bond with him. When we do things with God, when we see ourselves providing because God has provided for us, when we see ourselves providing um, with the strength that God has given us and the calling that God has given us, um, we bond with him. Donald Miller said this. He said, I think that that's what God wants most. He wants us to bond with him. He said, God is a healthy dad who wants to meet us in our work and affirm us as people. So let's pray. Jesus, my hope and prayer is that for all of us, we would, see, we would see our work now differently in this way. Would you please restore us and renew our minds so that we would think about the money that we receive, the money that we earn. We would understand that you've called us to work so that we can be like you and so that we can work with you. Help us to provide this week. Help us to think differently about the way that we work. Renew us so that we can show the glory of the gospel in our attitudes, in our actions, in the workplace. We pray this in your name. Amen.